Hello and welcome to the Health and Harmony podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Roxy and I'm B. We've come together to create a healing tribe of humans who want to create a healthy balance between their internal and external worlds. We want to shine light on the tools and techniques as well as the information you'll need to grow your mind, body and soul. Whether you've just started or are already on your way with your self-love journey, we are here to hold your hand and guide you to becoming your best self. Join us every week as we discuss the different tips and tricks that will give you the stepping stones to help get you there. We want to bring light and presence to a dark and ego-driven world. Make yourself a priority and let's start filling that cup. If you want to get to know us better, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Health and Harmony Girls. We are so excited for you to join our healing tribe. Hello and welcome back to the Health and Harmony podcast. We are super excited because today we have two very special guests from basically around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the ladies from Sparked is a Sparked community. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. We've got Kritika who's based in India and Sam who's based in Australia. So we're literally doing a little round the world chat, but <laughs> yeah, we're super excited to have you ladies on. I don't know if you want to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about yourselves, just so that everyone knows who you are. Sure. Um, so I am Sam, I'm one half of Sparked and I'm a life coach and I met the lovely Kritika when we were both living and working in Phuket, Thailand at a beautiful health and wellness retreat. So Kritika was the head of wellness over there and I was brought on as the in-house life coach and we kind of became best friends in about 24 hours. <laughs> like 30 second best friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like I've known it my whole life, but it's only been, we met in April 2017. So it's only been a few years, but it feels, yeah, it really feels like a lifetime. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm Kritika. I, uh, I'm a qualified health coach. I'm also a yoga teacher and a personal trainer. And um, Sam's obviously mentioned where we met and how we met. And we started Sparked in December 2018 because I was at that point wrapping up my life in Dubai and we really wanted to create something together. And we have so many passions that we, you know, we share so many passions and we are kind of passionate about the same sort of topics, which is, you know, emotional health, mental health. Uh, you know, healing, helping people heal their relationship to food and stuff. So yeah, we created Sparked in December 2018. So we've basically been running Sparked from two different countries pretty much for the last year and a half, which is, yeah, which is very interesting. Especially (laughs) with your different time zones. (laughs) Communication is always delayed. (laughs) Exactly. And critics is always moving. Yeah, we've moved about four or five times between the two of us, you know, four to four or five different countries in the last year and a half. So, uh, yeah, Yeah, last year, I think I was in six countries, like traveling and working. That's insane. Mainly in Thailand, but also Canada and the States and yeah, all over the place. So it has been a very international business. (laughs) Amazing. And that's even worse trying to get used to those time zones. Because just as you get used to one, you're like, okay, I know it's time there for her and it's time here for me. And then you move and you're like, thank you so much. Let's start again. (laughs) (laughs) Start our whole life trying to figure out time zones. 
<laughs> well, you have so many different countries. Like my friend moved to Australia and we just put, I just put Sydney on my world clock so that I know what time it is in Sydney, you know, <laughs> but if you have that many countries to stress about, I'm just like, I don't even think you have enough world clocks for you that on your one little clock on my iPhone. <laughs> I, <just laughs> the I have to delete way. them every time I add a new one. I've got, it's maxed out. <laughs> <laughs> That's like sometimes with the alarm clocks, five past seven, 10 past seven, quarter past seven. <laughs> <laughs> you either want okay. one alarm person or multiple alarms. <laughs> um, we actually, what resonated so hard with us and why we were so excited to speak to you guys is obviously when I mean, for you guys listening, you wouldn't know, but we had a little Zoom meeting before our podcast. So we have chatted to the ladies before and their stories are really similar to ours as well. And I think also with like um, everyone was saying about the health and wellness, um, that's what drew you guys to starting your business. Same thing as us. I mean, health and harmony. So everything within yourself, on the outside, internal and external, and you guys have the same approach pretty much, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the best things about working at the health retreat where we worked was that you saw how so many people were coming in to fix like externally what was going on and coming in to address these health issues, which they thought were about food and exercise. And it was never really about the food and exercise, you know, that was always the symptom. And so we were always looking at what's going on internally, what's going on in a person's life, what's happening in their relationships, their career, any, all of those things that then kind of manifest in in what's going on in our physical and mental health so it was like such a beautiful kind of place to just see that over and over again with we were so lucky because we'd get like 20 20 to 25 guests every week new guests so literally hundreds thousands over the years that we were there Mm -hmm. from all over the world and it was just over and over again again people addressing their external issues but it was always an internal thing going on so yeah the, the link between it all was really fascinating for us amazing so what was the point yes carry on carry on sorry it's so hard now with the three screens i'm not trying to see who's going okay carry on sorry it was even more interesting because both sam and i had been on our own journeys that started with the physical so you know for me i used to uh, i used to do bodybuilding competitions and all of that and i started as a personal trainer yoga teacher and then sort of i was quite disillusioned by how i was helping clients and i was like i'm only really addressing a really tiny part of people's lives and that's when i sort of you know got interested in coaching and did health coaching and then all of that and then sam had gone through her own journey as well so just coming to the retreat and then having gone through that and then seeing over and over again that it wasn't about the weight loss it wasn't about the nutrition it was about like sam said all our relationships our relationships to ourselves self-love all of those things so it was really a powerful experience that way to see that over and over again after experiencing it yourself and you're watching it happen through other people all the time and that's why i'll have one question that i want to ask you guys about sparked and like for instance with roxana we just it was one day we wanted to do a podcast and we did it like did you just have one day where you sat down and you were like guys this is what we need to do or was it a process that you thought about because you saw people coming in and out all of the time and you maybe spoke about it for longer and then decided to do it or was it just like we're doing it do you know what our business has a great genesis story (laughs) (laughs) i don't know whether maybe critica should tell this story but we joke that one day she's going to have a book called dumped and deported so (laughs) Sorry to out you here, Critica. But what happened was Critica, in the space of 24 hours, 
no, was done. No, no, it was five minutes. Sam. It was <laughs> five minutes. Hours. Sorry, five minutes. <laughs> Do you want to tell the story? Uh, I mean, it was the 20th of January and I got a call from the guy that I was seeing at that point, basically dumping me. And <laughs> then I, I literally just disconnected the call and I was a bit like, that was, you know, that was hard. And then I, and then I phone rang literally even before I had disconnected the call. I think it was like call waiting. And Sam called me and said, Karika, your visa to, to live in Thailand has been rejected and you need to leave the country in 24 hours. Oh, and I was like, my Lord. and I was <laughs> crying. <laughs> that was kind of like, it was that moment where I had been living in Thailand for two years, roughly at that point in my, I had some visa issues and basically, luckily I didn't have to leave in 24 hours. I got a week to pack up my entire life and basically get deported out of the country. So that's how I like. Sort of, <laughs> so I it. went over to Critica's house and, sat, and we sat on the floor crying. And we said, this can't be the end. Like this can't be the end of the work of, of all the work that we, that we do together. Mm. Cause we've just been doing it at this retreat together and talk. And I mean, we were literally joined at the hip. We did everything together. I, you know, Critica, Critica was the scooter driver. So I was always on the back of her scooter. <laughs> Uh-huh. Like people thought we were together like that we were a couple because we were just always together and so the knowing that she was gone within a week we were just like oh my goodness okay well you know you're a health coach I'm a life coach we both want to do the same thing how can we create a business where we get to do this online and then from that day from January whenever it was 20th of January it's morphed a bit in terms of the way that we've run the business and what we focused on. You know, we originally had like a group coaching online community and now it's become more around heal emotional eating. So the business itself has changed a little bit, but we were just very, we just knew we had to stay connected and stay working together and that the two of us combined was so much stronger than either one of us alone. So we just really wanted to stay connected that way. I love that. I think it's actually so amazing because Critica, you literally, a lot of people have to wait to see the reason of why things are happening in the world. And yours was within like a couple of hours, everything bad happened. And then straight away from the bad, you got sparked. Like, yeah, that was the reason. It literally was. I mean, and that, and, and it was, it was the beauty of that. And a lot of our work is around, you know, helping people really understand what their values are and, you know, and creating their lives in alignment with their values. And I think for Sam and I, for both of us, you know, co-creation is such a, such a value for both of us to be able to do that with different people. And that's why we're always looking to collaborate and work with other people, because we just believe that it's so much more powerful when, you know, other, you know, groups of people and especially women come together and create amazing things. And, you know, that was like, that was, that was our tunnel vision was like co-creation. We need to create something that's the two of us and both our skills and both our life experience and, you know, and all of that. So, and that's always been, you know, the thing that's guided us for the last two years. And it's been hard, you know, living in different countries. And, and, it, and one of the reasons why our business has morphed and changed as well is because we've had to sort of align to the fact that we're probably always going to live in different countries. So we have to have a business model that works, you know, and all of those things, but um, yeah, we've made it work and, and yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So tell us a little bit more about Spark. Like what is it exactly that you guys do? That was my exact question. (laughs) (laughs) 
So now I guess what we're really focused on, on teaching people is mental and emotional health, I guess is the broad way that we talk about it. So at the moment we have an online course that's specifically focused on helping uh, women heal emotional eating. So that's like an eight module online program that takes, takes women through this very holistic program, which is all about, you know, I guess some of the things we've touched on, but um, we look at the health side. So we look at rejecting diet culture and we look at what might be going on for a person nutritionally that might be causing them, you know, to have certain cravings. And then we go into, you know, looking at body image, body acceptance, self-love, all of that kind of thing. And then we go into, well, emotion, like how do we process emotions? How do we develop better uh, coping mechanisms? And then we really look at, okay, well, if, if you have all of that, if you've got this great self-love, if you can reject diet mentality, if you know what's going on nutritionally, if you know how to process emotions and have these coping mechanisms, what's actually going on in your life that's causing the emotions in the first place. So looking at how do you create a nourishing life from the inside out. So that's kind of our signature program, but I guess more broadly, what we're all about is, is teaching people mental and emotional health so that, yeah, so that they can really just be well and they don't rely on, on coping mechanisms that can become destructive, I guess. That's amazing. And so say somebody comes to Sparked, right, to speak to you guys or to have a chat with you, is, does somebody come on as a client or do you have programs that people sign up for where it's like a 12 week program or is it an ongoing like mentorship type of relationship? How does it work? Yeah. So for the moment, we just have um, one program, which is a, it's like a self-paced program. So people can, can access it at any time. And, and then if, if a person wants like additional one-on-one -on -one coaching with either critic or I, that that's what we do. But what we're really excited about doing um, in 2021 is actually launching like a group coaching program where we, we take women through this and, and actually do, you know, live kind of coaching and Q and A's around it. Um, because for the moment it's, it's just like a self-paced online course with, there's actually tons of videos like there. We wanted to make them really bite-sized videos that people could just watch and with worksheets and everything. And I remember editing them and I counted it up. I'm like, oh my gosh, we, there's 57 videos in this course. Like, it's, quite, it's quite full on, but, um, but yeah, you can, at the moment, it's just a self-paced course that anyone can do at any time. Amazing. Um, so I want to touch on the whole emotional eating side, because I know like me personally, I've been through all the eating disorders and, 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 um, but I think like, especially in this day and age with kids growing up with Instagram and having so much access to so many things um, and comparing themselves to supermodels and actors and all these ladies who are almost like fake with the lips and the boob jobs and the bum implants and stuff like that. I think it's quite a big issue these days um, that girls are now either getting eating disorders or emotionally eating because they're depressed that they'll never look like this girl or be like that girl. Yeah. I think, you know, when it comes to emotional eating or in the general sense, you know, our relationship to food, you know, I, one of the things is not everybody gets an eating disorder. I know we've all had our versions of stuff, but everybody has a relationship to food. And a lot of people have a really disordered relationship to food. And that's what, you know, so we don't, we don't really work with eating clients, you know, people that have eating disorders because that, you know, you need more, you need mm. therapy and you need such a combination. So 
but we do what help people create a healthy relationship to food. So I think the first point that is really, really important, and that is like the foundation of the work, and I know you guys are going to resonate, and anybody that's been on this journey of healing their relationship to food will resonate, is, you know, rejecting the diet culture and really understanding how much harm and how, how much um, this like sort of personal, um, personal challenges are connected and body image issues and all of this is connected to the fact that we all subscribe to this diet culture, which is really misinformative. It's not really about health. It's about, it's a $70 billion industry that's about making money. And it's, you know, it, it really has, gives us all these messages constantly that, that we're not worthy. We need to look a certain way to be worthy. We need to eat a certain way to be worthy. And I think we've all sort of bought into that at, you know, in our lives. And then obviously we're there. Like, so I guess the first thing about healing your relationship to food is really understanding that the harm that, you know, the diet mentality and the diet culture does to us physically, emotionally, mentally, you know, and statistically 25% of people that engage in dieting go on to develop an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And even more is the percentage is higher for people that engage in more extreme forms of dieting. So I think, you know, really understanding and, you know, really working through that is sort of the first thing that we work with. And we obviously encourage women to do when they start this journey. Amazing. Yeah. Are we going to say something, Sam? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> say that. <laughs> no, just that the the other main, I guess, area related to what you're talking about is obviously, and I know that you ladies as well talk about this, is it, it's all about really improving a person's relationship with themselves and their self-love because, you know, all of our body image issues that, that anyone has is really about, you know, it, it's a product of the diet culture, but it is this belief that we are somehow, that our worth is related to what we weigh and, and how thin we are, which is just fundamentally untrue so everything that we can do to help someone really just understand their innate worthiness and the fact that they are always enough and that no amount of food that they eat or behaviors that they participate in is going to change their worth you know so we're, we're huge advocates of of giving people tools to actually improve the relationship they have with themselves because as soon as you can accept yourself then all of these kind of um, yeah, disordered relationships that we have with food, a lot of that can go away. So much of it is driven by, by self-hatred in some way, shape or form. Definitely. I think also with like, um, like you guys are saying, people, yes, they don't have full eating disorders that you deal with, but people have a disordered relationship with food. I really like that you said that. But mm. I also find it so fascinating because these are people that realize that they have a disordered relationship with food and are trying to fix it. But it fascinates mm. me the amount of people that are still so involved in diet culture and still feel like they're not. Like their lives literally are calculated by every meal, every calorie, every single thing in their life. And to them they promote it because they love it and it works for them and it's who they are. But in a sense, like you say, it still is a disordered relationship with food. Like you might feel great and you might tell other people, this is a great diet or it's been the best thing mm -hmm. that for my life, but it still is having a disordered relationship with food. So whether you accept that or not, mm -hmm. I mean, it's debatable. Yeah. Yeah. And so much of our work at Sam and I both, we, you know, when we kind of work on who our ideal client is and who are the group of people that are going to, you know, relate and uh, kind of to our work, it is women that have 
you know, maybe spent years and years of their lives dieting and being frustrated and, you know, being on this sort of roller coaster of weight and emotions and mental health and all of that. And then sort of realize that, okay, this is not working. But there is a huge percentage and a much bigger percentage of people that haven't gotten there. You know, they're not there yet. They don't know that whatever relationship they have with food is disordered. And uh, very, this is, this is not my thing. I read this and um, this was Carolyn Dude. I don't know if you girls follow her. She's, she's written this book called The Fuck It Diet. And she made a post the other day saying a lot of uh, fitness people's careers are built off untreated eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And I think that was so true to your point, Rianka. It's like that, you know, that so many people are promoting eating disorders, you know, disordered relationship to food and all of those things. And um, yeah, people's very popular careers, famous careers are built off you know, very disordered mm. relationship to food, etc. Oh, the dogs. Yeah, we're dog lovers. So the dogs are always welcome. We have dogs pretty much in every episode. I've got two sticks. <laughs> two sticks. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, I think I, a full disclaimer here, I had a very, not only a disordered relationship with food, but eating disorder. Um, mine was binge eating disorder. Um, so I was an emotional eater and a binge eater. Um, and even in the early genesis of us starting Sparked, I think I still, this whole idea around rejecting the diet mentality, this was something that, this was Kritika's, you know, we co-collaborate and, and write different parts. And this was the part that she wrote. And I remember reading it and, and I was feeling uncomfortable with it because I was still, I had healed a lot of my relationship to food and I was not a binge eater and I had you know, I was not really emotionally eating to the same extent, but at that time, you know, I was, I was doing weight training. And so I was very much um, like quite upset, not obsessive, but I was counting my macros. Mm -hmm. And, and then I was like, so does that, am I, am I, am I a dieter? Like, I, I I don't understand because I'm just trying to get enough protein for the weights Mm -hmm. that I'm lifting. And, and, and I was reading it just and I found it very uncomfortable. So I think like for anyone listening or for anyone that, that begins to start looking at rejecting the diet mentality, it takes a while to get your head around. Like I was already running this business, promoting this and still trying to get my head around it myself. It took, Critica was ahead of me on this one. <laughs> For sure. I think it's so, so fascinating yeah. that you say that because my I was actually saying to Rox today when we were in the car and um, we were speaking about how we were so excited to speak to you guys. And I said that exact same thing as what you've said now. I was like, we are these people that promote healthiness and promote being, you know, sorting yourself out from the inside out. But yes, I'm not a binge eater like I used to be. Yes, I don't have a bad relationship with food like I used to have. But there's still days where you have to forcefully exit diet culture from your thoughts. So it's not to say that just because we promote it all the time that everything is all right with every single person. I think there's very few people in the world that can absolutely not have a thought about food when they eat. Very few people. You have to have that like and when you've been shower, it's almost like a shower, right? Of, of diet mentality that you've been living under. And so I can have all the self-love in the world, which, you know, this is something I've been preaching about for years and years and years, and I really work at it. And there's still days where I look in the mirror and I notice myself saying something critical about, you know, the, a certain piece of fat on my arm or whatever. I'm like, oh, there are, like, it's still, it can come back, but it's just that I get very, I'm much faster at going to a place of self-compassion and going, ah, there's that internalized diet culture again, you know, but I think- And you're aware of it. Exactly. It's just, 
it's becoming that, more aware of it. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's a tricky one. I think and that's really important is being able to separate from that relationship a little bit and look at it from the outside and, and really, you know, be objective about the fact that this isn't going to be perfect. I'm like, you know, I think we, we were talking about this on our Zoom call and I said, I still count almonds, you know, sometimes yes. I still can't just pick up like just a handful of almonds and soak them. I still have to count them because that's like so ingrained in my brain that, you know, you don't eat, don't eat more than 12 almonds. And it's like yeah. rubbish, like whoever said that, how do, what difference does it make? You know, overall, yeah, it yeah. matter. And I like, yeah. but being able to observe that, like Sam, you were saying, and just being able to be objective and be like, okay, this is, you know, diet culture, or this is my internalized, you know, this is, and then just, you know, yeah, working at it slowly because again, it's not, it's never a quick fix. And if we've, you know, if most of us, you know, especially women like us in our 30s, if we've spent, pretty much our entire adult life and probably more because we've been seeing our mothers and other people when we were younger in diet culture. It's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to be an easy process. And I always say this, I always, I'm the, I'm like the bad cop in this and I'm like, don't expect this to be easy either because it's work and it's a lot of intentional work because diet culture is so insidious and it's just everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the more and that you drill it, yes, sorry, carry on. Sorry. <laughs> I was you saying that the more that you drill it into your brain, it's like diet culture for me, the worst part about it all is like you say, if you have dieted a lot, which most people have, if you've done diets, like I started dieting when I was 15, I went to a dietitian. Mm. And so that's when it started for me, super young, you don't know what you're doing, but every single different diet you do has its own rules. So mm -hmm. you live through your life, whether it's 10 years, 20 years, 30 years that you diet out of all the diets you've ever done, those words or rules stick in your mind. And it's now a conjunction of all the diets in one mind. And you sit there and you're like, like I had so many different things in my life. Like, you know, once I was not allowed to eat carbs after two and there's like, there are all these different rules. And then you're looking and you're like, my whole life could be actually ruled by all of these diet rules. If you think about like scrolling through Instagram, you're like, I would love to have that pasta. Oh no, but I can't have carbs after two. Oh no, but this diet said I would actually do this if I do this. And you're like, but what am I actually following? <laughs> yeah, I think that's such a good point. And I think the, the other thing is, even when you reject diet mentality, you don't forget the information that you've learned. Mm -hmm. And so I cannot help, but if I'm eating a meal and it's not, I'm no longer counting it or obsessing about it, but I look at my plate and I'm like, oh, there's that many grams of protein. I could probably tell you how many calories are in it from my completely disordered days of weighing food and knowing. So it, it's like, I can't delete that information from my brain. So I still kind of, when I look at food, there's still, oh, okay, there's 50 grams of protein. There. Like it's just there, you know, and we can't beat ourselves up for that either. But I remember being at this amazing women's conference in 2014 back in Melbourne and it was actually a business conference and one of the speakers and she was not it it was not a conference at all to, that had anything to do with health or dieting or food but she made this comment that stuck with me so much she said imagine if all imagine if we added up all the hours in this room that these hundreds of women spend thinking about food what you're going to eat your body and how much you weigh. And if we added all of that time together, imagine how we could change the world with that amount of time and energy, like mm -hmm. the amount of time and energy that is wasted by women 
worrying about what they are effing eating. <laughs> and I was at that time counting and weighing and still in the, you know, cause I was there for a different business. I was not in the, you know, health and wellness um, area at that point. And I just remember thinking, Oh my God, that's so true. It's like, I don't know what percentage of hours in my day, but if that's all of us, like we could have solved, you know, world mm-hmm. poverty by now yeah. with that Many brain things. power yeah. if we put it to you. <laughs> and that is the thing, you know, we have to start looking at diet culture as women as an oppressive system, you know, mm-hmm. that does keep us small, not just in our worth, you know, not just in and our size. literally small. Not just in our size, but in our worth, in our light, in the amount of, you know, how we show up in the world, how many women don't do stuff because they are not feeling confident in their bodies or how many times we shy away from things that we could be doing amazing things in our lives or whether it's you know family relationships showing up beach parties whatever it is doesn't have to be changing the world whatever it is but just stuff that you know nourishes us from the inside out and we forego that because we're so focused on what we look or we're having a bad body day or whatever it is. Yeah. And those are or not- we don't socialize because we can't eat that food, you know, so we yeah. can't go out. So we better stay in because I don't want to have to tell people that I'm not going to drink. Or I'm not going to eat that. So I'll just stay at home or I'm not going to date because I don't like my body. So I can't actually sleep with anyone. So I'm not going <laughs> to. Like- That's such a big one for so many women as well. You know, when we're healing, when I'm, especially when I'm working with, women um you know that have uh, for example you know it's like sugar cravings at night and i'm you know if there's and i always talk about intimacy for example you know because if that and if that's an area of your life that is not being nourished in whatever shape or form works for you then you know yeah we'll probably want to eat that block of chocolate or that <laughs> you know that, that box of ice cream to make ourselves feel that warm fuzzy feelings that you know so it's all sort of connected it's not also it's not just about uh, the food in that sense mm. so it's so important to look at it and really 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 start looking at it as this oppressive culture that just doesn't serve us mm. i think that's what's so important is like i mean we say this in every single podcast but I think the number one thing is like you were saying now, people just don't realize how connected everything is. Like you're speaking about intimacy and sugar cravings. And I mean, whether it's our body, our mind, how we're bloating or feeling or what's happening with my eyes, everything is so connected. But the people that struggle the most are the people that have not yet realized how connected everything is because people are so Mm -hmm. unaware all the time. Like you have to be aware of everything that's going on within yourself. Otherwise, you're gonna. <laughs> because then you're going to spend your entire life counting calories and weighing food. Because if you truly believe that the food is the issue, then of course you're going to only focus on the food. And that is the symptom. And if you're going to only try and fix the symptom, and like we say, we use this analogy in our course, course as well, it's like you know sticking a Band-Aid over a bleed. And unless you really address the bleed, you know, it, it's not going to heal. So it's this thing that, you know, if you're looking at just food and exercise, and even if you are, you know, even if it's just about your body and your health, and you're only looking at food and exercise, it's never the full picture. It's literally just mm-hmm. looking at the symptoms and missing the whole sort of all this valuable information that's available under the surface. That is the work, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like peeling those layers and really getting to the core of the stuff that's going on in our lives. Mm. I wanted to ask. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Here we go again. 
I just wanted to ask because you, um, Sam said something about emotional eating and binge eating. Like for me, I kind of thought they were the same thing. So what is the difference between the two? You want me to do it, Kritika, or do you want to talk yeah, about this? Uh, you do it because you have a lot more experience. Because <laughs> you know what, like the the reason why that's such a great question is because there there isn't like a a clear cut consensus on the difference between the two. But but what I would say about binge eating, because I think I thought, okay, well, binge eating is it must be when it's the quantity is a bit more outrageous. Like when you're totally, totally binging and, and just, you can't stop eating. Whereas emotional eating, maybe you're eating less, right? That's what I originally thought. But, but the more I looked into it, it's more that binge eating is, is a response to restriction. So binge eating is very much related to dieting. So if you are someone that diets and restricts food, then that is going to, cause an uncontrollable urge for those foods that you're restricting, which will then lead you to obviously, yeah, eat them and then binge on them. And then you feel shame for the binge. So then you try to restrict the food by dieting and then you're back. Right. And it's this endless, endless cycle. Whereas I think, and, and this is why there's a total crossover because you might be an emotional eater and your emotional eating is also binge eating. But I think there are also people that emotionally eat but it's more maybe that they're, they're using food as a reward mechanism or they might be eating because it gives them a sense of nostalgia from their childhood, that there's an emotional element to why they're eating, but it's not about, it's not in response to restriction and it doesn't become this overwhelming thing that they do. The other thing about binging is that it's done in secrecy very often. So for me, when I would binge, you know, I would buy a whole heap of chocolate and eat it all in the car before I would get home and dispose of the wrappers and nobody knew I was doing it. Whereas emotional eating isn't as secret, right? It's people will often just sit and emotionally eat something. Whereas a binge is very often associated with a lot more shame and secrecy. And I also saw that you said in the mail that you sent us that emotional eating is not bad. Um, yeah. Which also, fasc- well, not fascinated, but it interested me because yeah. like the whole thing about emotional eating is that it's bad. So what is your guys' view yeah. on that? And that's what was just coming to mind when we were talking about emotional eating and binge eating, because it's so important. So emotional eating at the core of it is a coping mechanism. It's something that we use to cope with difficult emotions. And it can be a conscious process. A lot of times it is a not a very conscious process, but basically we're eating to change or emotionally regulate or change our emotional state or shift out of usually a negative emotion. Sometimes we eat for positive reasons, positive emotions as well. But that's also got to do with the fact that a lot of us struggle with experiencing and feeling big emotions, positive emotions as well. So it's basically not wanting to feel an emotion and then eating to numb it and, you know, change our emotional state. What is not, so this is something that's really, really important to Sam and I is to, is to you know, this is like a disclaimer, is that emotional eating, em, or let me phrase it right, eating emotionally is not a bad thing or using food to self-soothe is not a bad thing. It's actually a really powerful coping mechanisms, it, mechanism. It's actually really helpful when we don't have access to other ways of being able to cope or when we're overwhelmed, you know, it's, it can be a lifesaver. It can, it can really help us because, you know, again, you know, not everybody has access to therapy or being able to afford expensive courses. And, you know, so we don't want to demonize emotional eating and say, you shouldn't be emotionally eating, but 
when it is your only coping mechanism and you haven't spent the time, you know, developing maybe other coping mechanisms or having a host of, you know, so emotional eating can be one coping mechanism in your mix of different coping mechanisms or when it's again, causing a lot of distress in you for whatever reason, you know, if it's causing you pain in the sense that, you know, again, you're experiencing even more negative emotions because of your emotional eating and you're in this spiral and in this cycle that you emotionally eat and then you experience a lot of guilt and shame and then you, you know, go on a diet again and it's causing that, then yes, absolutely. It is something that can be addressed and healed. And again, it's not about stopping it and never emotionally eating in our life. You know, it's great to use a chocolate and an ice cream and whatever, a pack of biscuits to, you know, feel good. But it's about having those sort of bunch of different coping mechanisms and some healthy ones, which, you know, really help us help you process. And the other thing, I guess, is also that when we emotionally eat, we're never going to be able to then get to the root cause of that emotion. And that's why, you know, the that part that one of our pillars which is creating a nourishing life from inside out is such an important one is because if you constantly if you're feeling a negative emotion and you eat and then you don't feel it anymore then you're never really looking at is it my job that's making me emotionally eat or am i in a toxic relationship that's making me emotionally eat or is it a lack of boundaries that's you know making me depleted and tired and hence i'm constantly eating because i want to maintain my energy so if you do that then you're never really going to see what's happening under the surface Mm. because you know, your instinct is just to eat and numb it. So, yeah. So emotional yeah. eating and moderation. <laughs> yeah. Like, here's a perfect example, because I think if we take, if we say you can never emotionally eat, that's like saying you can only ever eat when you're physically hungry, which what happens if you just want to have dessert and yeah. you're not hungry? Like, it, like you know, then, then we're going like back it. into diet. Um, enjoyment like, and pleasure, you know, food for yeah. enjoyment and pleasure. It's such a big thing and it's so important because today like here's the funniest thing <laughs> i i am like someone that i feel like i have a great relationship with food now and i've absolutely healed my emotional eating and i was having i've been having a really difficult day and i messaged my mom and i said mom can you bring home some chocolate and i'm like <laughs> it got, i just ate some chocolate before but i'm doing it consciously and i'm like yep this is emotional because this is making me feel good right now and i'm cool with that because i also have all of these other things that i do like i'll go for a walk i go in the ocean there's plenty of coping mechanisms that I have, but I'm not going to not allow myself to ever have food to make me feel good. Cause what is the point of like living if you can't just enjoy mm. food? A hundred percent. It's like if it's, you've had a really bad day on a Friday and you're like, you've made up your mind, you know what? Tonight I'm going to have a glass of wine and a pizza. Like you consciously know you've made that choice to have that glass of wine and pizza. So you don't make yourself feel guilty afterwards. That's when it becomes the issue. But if you're aware of it and you're like, this is, this pizza's for me. I've actually, you know, I've had a really bad day yeah. and I want to eat this pizza. I don't even have to give myself a reason, but I want to eat this pizza. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the reason can be pleasure because mm. I want pleasure in my life. You know, at the end of a hard week, I deserve pleasure. So it's our relationship to pleasure as well. Sometimes that needs to be looked at because we feel guilty for experiencing pleasure. Whereas, you know, food can be very pleasurable or a glass of wine can be pleasurable. You know, it's, it's again, it's your relationship to it. There's no good or bad. It's literally just your relationship to it and what happens before and after and your thought process. And then, you know, the cycle and all of those things overall form you know, whether or not, you know, decide whether or not you have a healthy or an unhealthy relationship with food. Mm. And on that topic, could, oh, sorry, we keep no, doing I this. I keep doing this. It's me. It's me. You go. <laughs> Thank you. 
on the topic, oh no, no, I forgot what I was going to say. You go, Sam. <laughs> I was just going to say like this, this idea of like emotional eating being bad and us needing to stop it. That's almost the same. Like if we believe that that's the same as diet culture, right? So dieting is like, we have to restrict something and stop something and we can't eat this food. And that's what causes us to, to, to want the food. And it's like this vicious cycle. It's the same with emotional eating. If we resist it and we make it bad and we say, I have to stop this, it actually perpetuates the cycle, right? It, it comes back to haunt us. But if we just say, ah, oh, there's just one thing, emotional eating, it's not bad. I'm just going to accept it. The, as soon as we accept something, I love that quote, what you resist persists. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so true. The more we resist something, the more it's present in our life. And if we keep resisting emotional eating and trying to like, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. It's just going to stay there always and haunt us. But mm -hmm. if we can just say, I give myself permission to emotionally eat when I want to, and I'm okay with it. And I accept it. It doesn't make me a bad person. And I love myself. Bizarrely, we very like we rarely emotionally eat anymore mm. <laughs> it's we need to get out of i guess this all or nothing thinking and this uh -huh. we must restrict something and stop something because it's exactly the same as mm. diet culture just 100 that's exactly what how diet culture is i think most people it's like it's either on or off it's 100 percent on or 100 percent off like here reaches the end of my diet best you know like i used to be that person when my diet was over whether it was 12 weeks or whatever or if i'd hit a goal of losing weight or something i would treat myself to food but to the point that i was like Completely. so physically <laughs> ill afterwards i don't know what to do with myself and then for the next few days after that i'd carry on eating i'd have a list of all the things that i wanted to eat that's like i mean uh -huh. get onto the topic now about <laughs> fitness competitions because that's uh, <laughs> we've all been there but it's like <laughs> you you train and you deprive your body for so long and like i've done one before and i literally had a list on my i had written out a list of all the things throughout my whole diet that i was craving and mm. at the end of the competition you go buy everything on your list whether you want like one of each thing or whether you're going to eat it all only you know no one actually sees the wrappers at the end but you uh -huh. go and buy all of these things and you stuff your face and your body is physically so ill and then straight after that yeah. it's like guilt 1000 and then i'm like okay cool monday monday we Completely. stop <laughs> <laughs> and critica and i always joke about my example is with chocolate because i i'm a chocoholic like i just love chocolate and critica was actually like the person to kind of witness firsthand my relationship with chocolate change where <laughs> I was like, so, I, I just would, because I was such an emotional eater and restrictor and dieter, I would be like, no, I can't have any chocolate. And then I would eat blocks of it. Mm -hmm. And then when I was living in Phuket, I, and healing my relationship to food, I was like, I'm going to give myself permission to eat chocolate every single day of my life. Like every day I'm allowed to have it. And as soon as I gave myself full permission to eat it every single day, initially I did eat it every day mm -hmm. and I was totally fine with it. But I didn't have to eat much because it was, again, once you take that restriction off the table, I was like, well, I'm having this tomorrow. So it's not like, <laughs> whereas when you're in that diet mentality, you have to, this is where the binge comes in, right? You, how many of us think, well, I have to eat all of this so that tomorrow I start my diet. Like if I can just finish it off, get it out of the house, get it done, then tomorrow I'm not having it. Whereas if you know every day of my life I have permission to eat this thing, then I just, I would eat a little bit and be like, oh, well, I'll eat more tomorrow and I'll eat more. And by doing that for like a couple of weeks, I just started, I didn't crave it as much because I was allowed to have it. It's really that, that 
thing that restriction is what causes the craving in the first place. You know, it's so counterintuitive, but it's, you just got to let yourself eat what you want, whenever you want, you'll be fine. For me, it was quite interesting when I was a part of this health retreat because I was like the head of wellness, but this, and I loved it. Like the food was amazing, but it was just for me at that point, I had been on this journey for almost two years by the time I got to Thailand. And for me, I was like, nah, this food doesn't do it for me. Like I need more food. And all of these girls in the retreat, you know, Sam and Kina, they would just be eating this food. Like this was food that people, food. Would, <laughs> people would eat for two weeks and you know we were living there so for me i'm like i live here i don't need to eat this food you know this is a food like this these foods people come and they detox and they eat this mm. food and you know so Very for me, clean. and for me i i remember over that um for, for a period of time especially when you're surrounded by other people that are quite knee deep in diet culture i almost felt like i was being judged for just being completely like <laughs> Being, being the head of wellness and you know running the place and not subscribing to any of that I was like always always going away and eating in a mm-hmm. restaurant eating something else and that I think is, is also a really interesting experience from the other side and then obviously Sam slowly started seeing this and then mm-hmm. <laughs> Critica was a breath of fresh air because I remember looking at her and going this girl is a health coach <laughs> and we're all sitting here eating this really, really clean vegan food, which is fine. I have nothing, you know, people are vegan. That's awesome. But eating this very clean food, only having vegetables and, and like, and he's Kritika, the health coach going out for burgers and fries and like every, and she, she, I remember the first time he ordered a Coca-Cola and I was like, that's like the devil. Like, I just couldn't even believe it, but it was just such a relaxed, she was so comfortable around food and her body and just like, Oh yeah, this is what I feel like. And I was just like, who is this woman? <laughs> just Can just, you want to be my best like, friend? <laughs> exactly and it really made me question what I thought what I thought health was Mm -hmm. because I think we think that health is and it's not this like I think wellness can be another diet you know this orthorexia idea where people just get obsessed with eating only like having to eat clean whole foods all the time and absolutely we're big um big believers in nutritious, clean, whole foods. It's not that we're not for that, but I think that can, that becomes a diet as well. Just mm-hmm. obsessing about like always having to have these clean, healthy, nourishing foods, even if it's wellness, I think, you know, like we can't, health is so much bigger than that. And I think it was so much healthier for me to see someone who was totally okay, just having a burger and fries when she wanted to, than, than someone who's like, oh, I'm the health coach who only ever eats like mm. you know these whole foods that I've prepared myself and I'm not going to go to a restaurant and whatever else we see in the wellness industry you know <laughs> I think it's yeah <laughs> I think that uh meal portion size is such an interesting topic to speak about especially with women because I know myself personally like 
I went to an all girls school, like no one used to eat like really big meals, you know, and my mom's always been the kind of person that has a really small appetite. Like when she eats meals, she can eat pretty much half or a third of what I can eat. And from always dieting and stuff, obviously your meal portions and stuff are restricted. But the last, mm-hmm. I'd say four-ish years while I've started my journey of self-love it's like the first time in my life where I've allowed myself to eat until I'm full and I realize now in the last four years how much food I actually need to fuel my body because I eat I can eat so much now I promise you I can eat double what my mom eats and my mom is still that person where she looks and she's like can you eat all of that? And I'm like, yes, I can. Do I make a comment? And I'll have seconds. <laughs> Literally, and I'll have seconds and I'll still keep picking in the kitchen if I want to. Like I'll eat as much as I want to. But I think a lot of women feel so restricted because women aren't supposed to eat that much. Or you as a lady, like your stomach is only so big, you don't need to eat that much food. Or, mm. And I think it gets drilled into your head from your parents too. You know, your parents might not mean bad at all. Like I know my mom means the absolute world and she would never want any harm for dieting or any like thing like that. But I think when you hear that from people, whether it's a teacher or a fitness coach or your teacher, um, your PE uh, coach at school, like if someone's saying to you, have you eaten this, this, and this today? Or if someone makes a little remark about your lunch, or if someone just goes, is that what you're having for lunch? Or are you allowed to eat pasta for lunch? And you're just like, Mm. what do you mean am I allowed to? And like, I think that's where it it happens at school with girls. And they're like, oh, so I shouldn't actually be eating pasta for lunch. Like they are not eating pasta. They're questioning why I'm eating pasta. And then you stop bringing pasta and then your portions get smaller because everyone keeps telling you like, you eat way too much and you just have Mm. to like not give a shit as plain and simple as it is. You just have to eat until you're full. And if your meal is this big and someone else's meal is 40 times bigger, that's what they need to fuel their bodies. That's just what it is. I think another one that's really, (laughs) because for me, I've been married. So I, you know, and obviously anyone that- I always forget that part. (laughs) (laughs) I was. (laughs) And, you know, I all, and my ex-husband was six feet, four inches tall. He was quite a skinny guy, but he was six feet, four inches tall. And I, when we cooked a meal, my portion was exactly the same as his portion always Mm -hmm. so if we bought two pieces of chicken breast in a salad Mm -hmm. he ate one chicken breast and i ate the other it was the same portion as what my ex ate who was six feet four inches tall and at that point i remember going through a process when i was you know a bit more obsessive about food was i'm eating the same amount as this you know man who's like double my size you know (laughs) and but i did i always almost always, and I think a lot of women will, will laugh at this or will relate to this, is that a lot of us do oftentimes eat as much as the, you know, our partner does, mm-hmm. who may be bigger in size and, you know, all of those things. And I have often eaten. Yeah. So um, I think that's a big one on portion sizes is that, you know, just embracing that sometimes we are going to eat more mm-hmm. than our male counterparts, you know, if mm-hmm. we need to. Mm-hmm. And what I would say on, on that is that, you know, hearing you, you talk about, you just eat whatever, you know, you eat whatever portion size you want. You can eat a lot of food until you're full. I think one of the things that, and Critica certainly observed it in me, that diet culture does is it completely disconnects us from our body, right? So I was so used to eating like by a, by a series of rules, including like what times my meals should be, how big they should be, how many calories they should be or whatever. So I had zero connection with my body. So I didn't even know, it was never a question, am I hungry? Am I full? That didn't even enter my mind. I didn't know what that felt like because I was so completely disconnected from any signal that my body was sending me because I'd always lived 
according, you know, I started dieting when I was probably 12, like I was really young. And so I think that's the other thing for any, for anyone that's, that has a history of dieting, it will take a little bit of time to reconnect to your body's cues and signals and to know what it feels like to feel full and to feel hungry. And, and then there's all sorts of things, you know, playing into that as well around, I was always brought up in a family where you had to eat everything that was on your plate. So whatever the portion size was, and this has always been the case for me, if I'm eating at a restaurant, doesn't matter what the portion size is, I'm going to eat it all because I have been taught you must eat every single thing on your plate. Mm-hmm. But now I'm kind of like, oh, I'm, I, I think I'm actually full. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it feels very weird if I've like left some food, but I'm like, no, this is, this is what it's about when you, when you do stop dieting, you really do have to start listening to your body. Mm. And, and for anyone that struggles with that, I just want to say it, it took me a really long time to, mm. to reconnect and to know even what my body was telling me. Mm. I feel like I've always been like obsessed with what I put in my body because of like obviously mm. all the history. Um, and I never really enjoyed food because I was either dieting where I was eating stuff that I didn't enjoy or I was just binge eating where I was like scoffing it down and not even tasting it and only recently I've started to really enjoy eating my food and I've Mm. actually noticed that I I eat good food and healthy food and I eat the amount that I should be eating because I'm enjoying it and I'm like connecting with the process of eating and I'm actually just eating what I need when I need it which is an amazing thing for me because I was always just like dieting or binge eating in the cupboard somewhere. <laughs> oh, I so relate. I love that you're there and that you are enjoying it. It's such a different experience of food, you know, mm. it really is. That's beautiful. Yeah. That that's where you're at. That's what, like that- you were saying, carry on Kritika, sorry. <laughs> no, no, go on. No, I, like you were saying about the, um, the times and stuff of eating and not being connected to your body. Like when you're that hard into a diet, like we were laughing about it. We had alarms on my phone of all my meal times. So like my body never told me I was hungry. My phone told me it was time to eat. Like my alarm would go off. I would go and eat my lunch. It was so bad that I got to a stage and that's when I was like, Bianca, I think you have a problem (laughs) where people would go out clubbing. And I literally had a cooler box in my car with my salmon and whatever, when I was still eating back then, I'd have like all my pre-packed meals in my cooler box in my car. And like 9 PM, my alarm would go off on my phone. I'd leave the club, go to my car, sit in my car, eat my salmon, go back into the club, carry on dancing, not drinking (laughs) obviously, but (laughs) how ridiculous is that? I know, but this is the thing. And the other thing is like, this is also stuff that's like within our society, right? In a, in a less insidious way. And just in a, this is how our structures and systems are set up as in when you are at school, you have morning tea time, you have lunchtime, you have like, you are dictated. Like this is the time when you eat. And even for me, my first career was in TV production and I was a shift worker, like as in I would produce uh, on certain shifts. And so, you know, I had very set meal times, like on every, so until I was 30, like I didn't change career until I was 30. And so you think, well, all throughout school and all throughout my career, there was a meal time, whether I was hungry or not. So it's also just like the, the systems that we live in mm. are also setting us up to be a little bit disconnected from, from what we need. And what's really interesting about this very bizarre time in COVID is that you know, more people are uh, at home with more flexibility around 
their day and their schedule and how they do things. And I'm like, well, maybe this is a chance to actually, you know, reconnect to what works for you and, and not have all of these bizarrely dictated structures where you have to do things at regimented times that, that work for everybody else. It's like, oh, maybe you could get to know yourself a little bit better. Mm, I think that's definitely been happening. Like mm. we always say as tough as this whole COVID thing has been, it's really forced people to look at themselves and their lives and just work on themselves mm. and mm. be happier. So in that sense, it's been amazing. Mm. Yeah. That's really right. cool. I was like at the beginning, even when we had COVID at the beginning of lockdown, it was like, we had to go into strict lockdown, you know, no one could leave all of that. And I was like, at that stage, we were like, okay, cool. It was me, my fiance, my brother. And I was like, what are we having for breakfast? What are we having for lunch? What are we having for dinner? And I was like doing absolutely no movements. And I knew what was going to happen to me, but eventually I was just like, guys, we cannot do this anymore. Like <laughs> we're just feasting every day. Like we're on holiday. It's like the first week of lockdown. And after a week, you already feel like you're just sitting on like. Ooh, I feel like I've eaten enough this whole week. Like I've been on holiday. Like you go overseas and feast yourself and then you come back. And I was like, whoop, let me just sort myself out. <laughs> and that is the thing, you know, it's also the other side of, you know, when you have a healthy relationship to food. So anybody that's said, you know, it's not just that we restrict ourselves. It's also that we do tend to overdo and stuff. You know, it's, it's, and again, I don't want to use the word balance because at the end of the day, balance on the outside has got nothing to do with what our body is telling us. You know, mm -hmm. we're used to, we use this word balance quite often because, you know, that's, it's the word to use around creating whatever sort of structure people want to create is, but our body's balance may be completely different to what we've been told, you know, balance looks like on the outside. But again, it's this, you know, it could be either way. It's like when you really, you know, when you're really, uh, really have this relationship with food where you know neither extremes feels good mm -hmm. so it's not that oh I'm, just because i've healed my relationship to food i can eat all day long you know neither of those extremes you know depriving yourself or eating all day long it's again it always comes down to how do i feel in my body how does my body feel do i feel good in my body and that doesn't happen with either extremes mm -hmm. so you know so it's but when you have a healthier relationship to food it's easier to come back to that center mm -hmm. of whatever that is when you go to one extreme or the other it's like okay the center is me feeling good mm. and neither of these extremes make me feel good mm. i love that mm. completely i agree it's like we go back to being aware it's just yeah, being, just aware, being like aware, like you know that you are eating more than you usually do, or it's like not even more than you usually do. Cause I mean, people can change how much they eat all the time, but it's maybe mm -hmm. more than you know what your body needs, put it that and, way. Yeah. Especially during this pandemic time, because at the end of the day, you know, it was an abnormal, it, it has been a very, you know, abnormal way of functioning for a lot of us. And for a lot of us, the emotions have been really high. So mm -hmm. yes, a lot of people may have over you know experience themselves overeating or numbing the stress and the and the, the so absolutely a lot of people may have gone to that other extreme of using food to cope with the anxiety and the stress and the you know at the end of the day we're in the middle of a pandemic the pandemic the boredom that comes from just sitting at mm. home and not really being stimulated of course you know that's when you know you tend to but then again it's about that realization that now it just doesn't feel good 
Mm-hmm. I know what I'm supposed to feel like, and this is not it. <laughs> not it. <laughs> and you see both extremes in the pandemic, meaning like you see the people that are dealing with all of those emotions or not dealing with them and therefore, you know, eating a lot more than they normally would, emotionally eating, binge eating, whatever they're doing. And then you have the the opposite extreme where people are feeling all of this uncertainty and needing control and so really turning to dieting. And there's tons of people that are like, really restricting food and losing heaps of weight. So it is, again, you're seeing both extremes of like, mm. some people are like, mm-hmm. you know, just, just going completely overboard in their food choices and other people are going, okay, well, I'm just going to control everything about my food because I have no control over anything else that's going on in my life right now. So it really is, yeah, it's again, it's like, how do we get back to this center? It's, yeah. I have such a random question that I want to ask, but we've spoken about this before and I just, I would love to know, I don't even know if you guys have an answer for this, but I'm just so fascinated by the 1,200 calorie rule for women. Like I have no idea where it came from or who came up with it, but every single woman knows in their mind that they're allowed 1,200 calories a day. Like, do you guys know where that came from? I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know where it came came from. I do know that it's so rubbish. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> we know that. But I'm like, who came up with that? Like, what person was eating that that amount of calories a day? Some man that probably created a diet for some for his wife. Like, <laughs> like that, all the diets have been created by white men. Um, yeah, literally. Create, yeah. This is the other thing, like diet culture is total patriarchy as well. Yeah, it's like, like now women are, you know, but women's diets are mostly fueled by their eating disorders, but men have created it for whatever to keep the women that, you know, attractive and whatever <laughs> women look like, you know, but it's this, this is where as a health coach, this is something really important. One number, no matter what it is, whether it is 1200 calories or it's 1800 calories or it's 3000 calories, one number can never be applicable to a group of people mm-hmm. because everybody has different height, different weight, different body composition, different hormones, different length of their hair that needs more nutrition. You know, women that have long hair need more food because their you know hair takes up a lot of your nutrition. <laughs> I'm gonna start yeah. eating more food. So maybe that's why I started eating more. Long. My hair was growing. <laughs> hair has full permission. <laughs> that's your chocolates working, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> hair takes up a lot of the nutrition you know because hair is quite a it's one of those things you know even that have long hair they they, it's because it it needs nutrition so so there are so many variables so it's like it could be 1200 or it could be 3000 but neither of them is ever going to be applicable to a group of women because everybody's going to be different. So I was hearing this interview that my mother and father sent me on WhatsApp a few days ago, weeks ago. And it was this woman. And one of the first things she said was that women need X amount of fat. And I'm like, how can a woman that's five feet, eight inches need the same amount of fat as a woman who's five feet, two inches? Like, it makes no sense. You know, like I'm a completely different size to my sister or, you know, there are women or I have way more muscle than a lot of women my size do. So obviously I, you know, so it's like so many different variables. So that's why this number thing just can never work. You know, it's actually, yes. And it's, it's actually, it's so bad even to the point that, um, so we have discovery medical aid, right? Um, and it's like a, obviously a medical aid scheme and you can go and do your, um, like, I think you can do it once a year or something. They do a wellness test for you and you can get some points or whatever for your, 
thing and my mom went to do it. And do you know that they have the same circumference for every woman? So every woman is supposed to have like, that's their guidelines. So they have like one waist size, one, all of this. And it's a, a health thing. My mom went there and she was like, so you're telling me I'm 174 centimeters tall and I'm supposed to have the same waist size as my sister who's five feet. Oh, are we it's supposed insane. How ridiculous is that? I also think it's crazy that, that they still use BMI as like yeah. a health measurement. It makes no sense to me. Anybody with muscle, a woman with muscle, or, you know, is going to be over the BMI or is going to be on the higher end of the BMI. You could be the skinniest, most mm. lean woman, but if you've got most muscle and you're way heavy. So it's, yeah, these numerics are just so arbitrary. And this is why, you know, these calories are such an arbitrary number. Mm. And it's just like, it just, it can never work. It can never work because we're all different. We're all in different bodies. And, you know, it's just, and it's the same thing with weight. That formula, like I know people say, well, let's forget about the number, like calories in versus calories out. That's all it is. And if you, you know, (laughs) expend more calories than you take in, you will lose weight. And I'm like, "Um, I am someone who had a, you know, what about hormones? I had a very real experience with this where I was training for a marathon when I was 29 because I thought, you know, that, that would be a great goal, even though, which it's not a bad goal, except I hated running. So that was back in my <laughs> days of self-punishment and trying to manipulate my body. And it was actually a really effed up weight loss goal that was disguised as a marathon, right? I thought, what can I possibly do? What goal could I do so that I have to be exercising all of the time so that I will lose weight? But I didn't tell anyone that. I was like, yeah, I'm going to run a marathon. And, um, and at the time I was counting my calories. I think I, think I probably was on 1200, something stupidly mm. low um and I was you know like playing my food and I was running and I was training for this marathon so you're running crazy amounts of kilometers per day and and I did it and over that eight month period I gained weight Mm -hmm. and I was just like I didn't know anything about hormones or or anything to do with health at that stage this was prior to to being a coach and to Phuket cleanse and to all of the wonderful things that I learned but I was just like, this doesn't make any sense because I have so many more calories out than calories in. This is completely insane. But my body kept getting bigger. And so it was obviously completely depressing to me because the whole point I was doing the marathon was to lose weight. So I was just like, I can't believe I ran 42 freaking kilometers and basically ate nothing and I got bigger. And I think this is the thing, like when people understand what that kind of, undereating and overtraining does to your cortisol and what cortisol does to your weight you know like yeah there's weight it's never about calories <laughs> so, get the numbers get the numbers i think so many women don't even realize that they have problems with their hormones or their thyroid like they just go straight into diet culture and try diet for a while and then they're like this is not working for me let me try something else instead of like you guys are saying going internal and saying what is causing this? How, why am I feeling this way? How do I fix this? It's like, this diet's not working. So another one might work. Whereas you might actually just have really messed up hormones at that stage of your life, or you may need to just work on some emotional issues, maybe that things that are going on personally in your own life. It's not everything that's external all the time. And I think people go, it's way easier to go. It must be because of this, this or this, than it must be because of something that's going on within me. Mm. Yeah, Completely. and that's the irony. Like the diet culture messes with your hormones, you know. Mm-hmm. And that cut out or have spent years cutting out healthy fats from their diet, you know, mm-hmm. that 
our hormones need fats, you know, they, they, they need a certain amount of fat to function. Mm-hmm. There's a term called as non-caloric weight gain, which is a really fascinating term. And it's basically the fact, you know, non-caloric weight gain basically suggests that people gain weight because of non-calorie reasons. And those are relationship stress, job stress, mm-hmm. you know, emotional stress or hormonal issues and all of these things. So I think because we've been, again, the diet culture tells us that it's calories in, calories out, we're only focused on that, whereas there's so many variable factors that impact even weight gain, if that is something that, you know, again, Sam and I have this conversation many times, because in our work, you know, there's, there's, there's groups of people that do our work, and a lot of them are very against weight loss. And personally, I don't subscribe to intentional weight loss. I never will. I don't want to be, you know, if I wanted to, um, you know, people like there are so many, as a health coach, if I was a weight loss coach, I'd be packed full of clients. You know, I'd have clients mm-hmm. from morning till evening, but that's just not something that I subscribe to. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're like, for me and for Sam, we're like telling anybody what to do with their bodies is not, our, is not really our place. You know, telling mm-hmm. someone to lose weight or telling someone to not lose weight is, is really telling someone what to do with their body. Mm-hmm. And that's their decision. We're not going to tell you what to do with your body. But yes, you know, intentional weight loss and yo-yo dieting and weight gain and weight loss does obviously cause a lot of hormonal issues and a lot of other issues in women that then leads to more weight gain. Mm. Do you find that there's like a, I don't know even how to ask this, but do you mm-hmm. find that there's like a, a prominent issue with people? And when I say issue, I don't mean anything bad, but if there's like a prominent, I don't know, maybe something people's childhood affect their weight gain. Like what is the most common thing that you see with people that's like affecting their relationship with food, if that makes sense? Mm. I know trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Trauma. And I think Sam, you'll speak to this better. (laughs) Around trauma. Yeah. (laughs) Around, Around childhood stuff and, you know, warning. Yeah. Yeah. I think absolutely. Like what, you know, people, yeah, people that have any kind of trauma in their childhood, it doesn't even have to be in your childhood, but mm-hmm. absolutely that, I mean, what is what is super interesting is, I don't know if you girls know this study, but when, when they looked at, um, there was a study done on obese, um, I don't think it was just women, I think it was obese people, and they, and they were looking at um, why, like what if we just let these people, like if we, and these were like severely obese people, hundreds mm. of kilos. And so they decided, okay, what if we put them on a drip and they weren't actually allowed to eat any food and we did this in a hospital or whatever, right? And they lost all of this weight. And so they were like, okay, cool. We figured it out. We just need to like take away all of their food. Which <laughs> they might have dripped. Right. And then obviously, um, you know, they gain, they gain the weight back. And so then they started interviewing these people about, well, how, what happened? And what they found was, that the amount of, it was, I wish I could remember the exact statistics. So I'm going to get it wrong, but it's in the book, um, Lost Connections by Johan Hari, for anyone that wants to check the statistic. But it was something like 75% of obese people have sexual assault in mm-hmm. their past. Mm-hmm. And that what causes that obesity is that they are trying to physically build up a layer of protection that keeps them invisible so that they are not then traumatized again. So that is one very extreme example mm-hmm. of how trauma can lead to all sorts of issues with food. But I think absolutely like trauma 
is just, you know, difficult emotion. Mm -hmm. And if we are not given the skills to cope with that emotion, to process that Mm -hmm. emotion, then the oldest coping mechanism in the book that every single parent uses, that everyone in our society uses, that we all use because we know it works is food. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it makes us feel better. It really does. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it gives us, there are certain foods that that help us to produce serotonin and dopamine Mm -hmm. and, and make us, actually feel good so there's mm-hmm. a reason why we turn to it you know mm-hmm. but i think yeah emo- not being able to kind of process yeah. difficult emotions and, and trauma from your past is, is mm-hmm. a huge recurring issue for people i actually have heard that on a podcast before funny that you say that it made me just remember now um and they deal with um shadow work and all of that and mm-hmm. you know dealing with people's past traumas and stuff and one of the clients was an obese man and he was mm-hmm. sexually abused by someone in his family when he was younger and that's why they had said also that like you're saying that's why he was obese because he found comfort in eating the food because he was building like a protective layer around himself, whether he was conscious of it or not. It was an obviously mm-hmm. a subconscious situation, but that's why he was feeding himself all of the stuff. Cause he just felt like if he had this layer of protection around him, it would like stop him from being hurt by other people. So I think that's and so I, fascinating. Yeah. I had this on a, on a lesser level. I wasn't uh, assaulted or sexually traumatized as a child, but I absolutely for various reasons, had a lot of fear around intimacy and intimate relationships. And what I realized when I, when I did like lose a lot of weight, part of the reason why I was not only yo-yo dieting, but would gain it all back is that when I would lose this weight, I would get a lot of, I would get attention from men and I would feel very, very, very uncomfortable with that attention because I didn't know what to do with it because I was so used to kind of being just uncomfortable in my skin and there and being overweight but it wasn't about me being overweight it was the just the self-hatred I had that I think mm-hmm. meant that I was I was kind of invisible to men because I was just and then I would lose this weight and suddenly be approached and feel so uncomfortable and it wasn't a conscious thing but then I would start eating again because mm-hmm. I, I felt safer you know mm-hmm. so much of of overeating or emotional eating can be about needing to feel safe and you know we really need to understand what's going on at a deeper level and and this is why we do the work that we do is because it really it's never about the food it's always about the emotion Mm -hmm. and and trying to work out what's actually going on so that we can address the real root cause of whatever's happening in our our life you know definitely This has been so insightful. I know. I feel like this has been the greatest podcast ever. So much information. Oh, we actually have to ask. So we end off every podcast with three questions that we always ask our guests. You guys can decide your answers first because it's (laughs) two of you. (laughs) Um, But the first question is, what is your favorite quote or saying? Do you want to go? It's so cute. You're both waiting now. You're both like... (laughs) Um, well, mine is, I think it's by George Bernard Shaw and it's life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's just really been one of my mottos, you know, because I really feel like, you know, life is intentional. And I guess, you know, mm-hmm. we don't just end up finding ourselves one yeah. day or our purpose or whatever, you know, we, yeah, we create. I love that. Um, Mine is, mine's a bit cheesy. It's from my favorite book. Um, and it's love yourself like your life depends on it because I it does. That. I love <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Amazing. So that's Anita Mojani from her book, Dying to Be Me, which is all about 
yeah, self-love. And I just think that's so true. You got to love yourself like your life depends on it. Mm. I feel like you need to send me a book list because you sound like you've read all the books. <laughs> I get called book the book doctor. doctor. <laughs> I was always a book doctor. Uh, she has a book for everything. Like coaching prescription. I'm like, I think you should read. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, also, I love I reading. Totally give you a book list. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, then the second question is, what is your spirit animal? Critica. <laughs> I mean, I know mine. I, do you want me to go first? I don't know mine, but I can make up one. You go, Sam. I've never done this bird animal. Mine's thing. a funny story. <laughs> I did this again. I actually went to this like hilarious um, business something workshop in Sydney um, years and years and years ago. And it was back when I was slightly less spiritual, slightly less woo-woo, slightly more skeptical and cynical. And I got to this business workshop because I was like, yes, I'm going to do business. And there was a guy there going, and now we're going to do a meditation where we meet your spirit animal. And I was like rolling my eyes. I was like, I'm not going to do this effing spirit animal rubbish. And he said to me, you know, it's not going to be the animal that you want it to be. What animal? I, I bet I know what animal you want it to be. And I, and I was like, am I that predictable? Yeah. <laughs> and said what is it I said a dolphin he was like yeah it's not going to be a dolphin and I and I was like it has to be a dolphin because I love the ocean and I'm playful and I want and he's like it won't be a dolphin mm -hmm. and he said just go into the meditation and an animal will come to you and it will be a very unexpected animal I was like whatever loser I was so ridiculous <laughs> loser and I did <laughs> I did this meditation and I kid you not a brown bear shows up, <laughs> up in the meditation. And I was like, whatever, you got to be shitting me. And then, and then after the end of the meditation, we had to go and look up what that spirit animal signified and how it related to our life or our business. And I was reading it and I was blown away because it was totally my spirit animal. Like, I can't remember all the detail now, but I remember one of the big parts about the bear and what it symbolized was that a person with that spirit animal has these deep periods of hibernation and rest where it looks like they're not really doing anything. And then they go boom. And they're mm -hmm. like, and it was that kind of all or nothing idea. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I was so like that in my life and in my business. And I'd been judging myself for these periods of like what looked like procrastination but then I would have, and once I was like, oh, it's because I'm a bear. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. My spirit animal is the brown bear. I love that. Amazing. And Critica, you know, you don't have to um, have done a spirit animal thing before. Like when we yeah. answered, it's just you pick your spirit animal. Yeah, so mine will probably be my cat. <laughs> because oh, I, cute. I love that. <laughs> My cat Nadal, who lives in Thailand, I've left it, but my cat is still in Thailand. She's That's still so mine. Cute. I'm gonna get her, but yeah. That's so cute, Sam. I also picked dolphin, just by the way. I know you're not a dolphin, but I picked. Dolphin. <laughs> I wish you know. If I could pick, I would be a dolphin. 
Well, mine was picked, so I don't even know if it yeah, is, but I'll just pretend. If I didn't have the bear appear to me. Yeah. <laughs> we need to do the I was just going to say we're going to do a meditation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to do it too. Yeah. It was the all weirdest thing. I was like, there's no way any animal is going to show up in my mind. I was just like, I'm so, it's not going to happen. And it really does. <laughs> just like this bear yeah, just amazing. came on in. I was like, okay. <laughs> Thank you for appearing today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, and then the last question is, if you were stranded on an island, what two things would you love to have with you? Oh, Sam, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I would, I mean, this might sound a bit lame, but I would absolutely take my Kindle because I'm such, like I would load it up with every single book on the planet. Like I actually prefer real books, but I'm only allowed two items. So I'll take... I'll take a Kindle. That's a clever way to do it around that. <laughs> I'm like, there's no, there's no electricity. How are you going to charge it? It's going to need it. I'm like, I feel like you could have a bag of books as one item. Real <laughs> yeah, books. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> a bag of books. <laughs> and then, am I allowed to take? I'm like, I want to be. I want to take credit card. <laughs> there we go. That's all you need. That's all you need. That Ready would be a hundred percent entertainment. I mean, we really did live on a tropical island yeah. for a number of years together. So <laughs> you really got a hint of paradise. <laughs> and we and we and there was a period where we slept in the same bed as well. Like <laughs> to anyone that ever wondered if we were a couple, we did sleep uh-huh. in the same bed. Yeah. if like if Critica ever needs to live in Australia don't don't give that secret away (laughs) you're right you're right let's not give it away but we have a long history of photos that would prove that we're basically a married couple (laughs) nothing wrong that's the best (laughs) um what would I take my god this is so hard um but it does it shouldn't be this hard I would take I was going to take, I would take a vibrator, but then we can't. Yeah. <laughs> batteries. You can take a whole bunch of batteries. These are two things oh, though. You really just stuck with a vibrator and batteries. <laughs> I feel like since Sam picked Critica, Critica just needs the vibrator and batteries and then she'll have Sam. Do you know what I mean? So she's got the person and then she's got her thing and Sam's got her books and everyone can be happy. Everyone's got their pleasure thing and they've got a person too. So it's like a win-win. I think we'll be, and then I'll take Sam. So I think we'll be, you'll just be fine. (laughs) You'll be 100% fine. The vibrator, the books, and each other will. Yeah, yeah. you've got everything you need. (laughs) Sounds like a party. Sounds like a party. that's hilarious guys i actually i've just picked up my phone now that's where i popped out to because i wanted to read this quote to you guys my phone's dead so i'm just gonna skim over it because it's so funny i saved this picture that i saw with this quote and i thought that i would read it on the um meeting with you guys and then you posted something so similar on your story like the next day so i know you guys will resonate but i'll send you the actual quotes and we'll post the actual quotes i don't know where it is but they said something about um your ideal weight or your goal weight is when you can go to lunch with your friends and you can eat whatever you want and not count the calories it's when you can go to a movie with the people that you like and not not order the things that you want to order and like it was just going on about all these different life examples and how your healthy relationship or your ideal weight is when none of those things are going on in your mind like pretty much just summing up the bad relationships with food so i'll send that to you guys i think it's such a nice quote and for you guys that are listening we'll post it on our instagram Mm. as well 
um, for Wisdom Wednesdays. Yes, <laughs> love that. <laughs> it's so cute. But it's been so lovely to chat to you, ladies. Honestly, I think we could speak to you for hours mm. or days. And if you could pick us <laughs> to be on your island tour, we'll be happy to come with. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've got lots of books and a vibrator. <laughs> You're welcome. <In. laughs> we can also bring stuff, so we'll yeah. have even better. Ro- I think Rox picked, picked seeds, so we've actually got food as well because yeah. she would plant some oh. seeds. Oh, we've got no food. Yeah, right. (laughs) We'll be dead pretty quick, but we'll go out on a high. (laughs) It's about happiness. I'm sure there are going to be mushrooms and other foods on the island. (laughs) That's all we need. That's all we need. Um, Where do I sign up? (laughs) Ready to go. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much once again. It was so lovely to chat to both of you. I'm sure we'll definitely have you on a future podcast once Mm, in the future again. Um, and yeah, you guys are both so lovely. If you guys want to follow um, these beautiful ladies on Instagram, we are going to put all their information and we'll put emails if people want to contact you, those kind of things. So we'll put all the information in the show notes. Yes, but it's been amazing, guys. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening today. Thanks so much for having us. Of course. We'll see you guys. So Best long, day ever. I hope your weekend is better from this little chat, guys. Have a good weekend. <laughs> we'll chat to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. We love spreading the light with our healing tribe of humans. To get to know us better, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Health and Harmony Goals or check out our website at www.health-harmony.co.za. That's health dash harmony until next time keep healing our world this podcast was proudly brought to you by royalty cbd cbd oil imparts a feeling of relaxation and calm and also plays a role in easing symptoms of many common health issues including anxiety depression acne and heart disease Royalty CBD is also THC-free. To get your own stash, visit www.royaltycbd.co.za and use the code HEALTHANHARMONY10 for 10% off.